Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Biggest victory. Ooh, biggest victory. Biggest victory, October 16th, 2021. I got baptized. That was that was the biggest victory. I got baptized and it changed my life. It really changed my life. And I think that's something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And I think I'm forever attached to God. You see, God is dope in the in the background here. But I mean, God, without God, I'm nothing. And I think with Think Gold is like, I really want to have the mentality of I'm not the CEO. God's the CEO. And so if I listen to him and I follow his direction, I follow his lead. There's no way Think Gold will fail because it's not about me anymore. It's about God and what he's trying to do. Welcome to Think Gold Media. I am your host, Ivory Frimpong. And here on the Think Gold podcast, I interview guests who come from all walks of life. We talk about topics ranging from spirituality and the deeper meaning behind life, all the way to topics like dealing with adversity and overcoming failure. Ultimately, my goal is to reach beyond social norms and have conversations with people that you wouldn't normally hear on a daily basis. If I can inspire one person, just one person, to take away something from this episode, then this platform has done its job. If this is your first time tuning in, I welcome you to the Think Gold family, and I urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at Think Gold Media. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode, and Think Gold. So today on the Think Gold podcast, we have Susan Lee joining me today. We are going to do this with a twist. She is going to be interviewing me this time. And, you know, I was just thinking about ideas for the solo episode. And I've been constantly interviewing other people. And I called Miss Lee up. She was like, I've been thinking about, you know, everybody's, you know, you're always interviewing everybody, but nobody's asking you enough questions. So I was basically like, hey, do you want to jump on a podcast and ask me some questions? So we have no other than Susan Lee joining us today, and we appreciate her presence. Well, absolutely, Irene. I had to put on my uh, my Think Gold shirt, man. I had to, I had yes, to pull, uh... it and pull it out. You know, I think pe- what people need to know is you have a story to tell. Hmm. And as much as you've interviewed very interesting people, and I am a fan, I listen to your podcast one thing that people really need to know is that you have a journey Hmm. and the journey is the evolution of how you came up with Think Gold. So humor me today and answer my questions and give your audience what they need to hear, which is your story. So why don't we start? I I just got to tell you that I didn't know what Think Gold was. You were, I want to say it's about 2019. My son came downstairs. You and my son played football at University of Rhode Island. You also played uh... like like flag football together. Yeah. And uh, he comes down, he has this shirt on that says, think gold. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, what's well, my buddy? It's his shirt. It's his company. He's got a podcast. And he turned around and what was on the back of that shirt leapt off. It just leapt off the shirt. What, what was the saying you had on the back of the shirt? True gold fears, no fire. True gold fears, no fire. And I just, that resonated with me. Um, what I thought is it transcends gender, it transcends age, it transcends uh, ethnicity, 
Hmm. It, it, you know, gold is refined when it goes through the fire. And hmm. I was like, I got to know who this young guy is. I need to know hmm. his story. And so I'm pretty sure everybody else today wants to hear your story too. So Ivory, give us some background on you. What is, what is the friend Pong name? How did you <clears throat> come into this, into this world? Um, yeah. What is your backstory? Got you. So the friend Pong name comes from my dad. He was born in Ghana in Africa. So my mom is actually Korean and my dad is, is from Ghana and he came to this country probably when he was, you know, 13 years old, 14 years old. And, uh, you know, really never being in America before it was him and his sister, him and my aunt, and they're out there by themselves. And I got the Frimpong name from them. And I remember my, my dad telling me, he was like saying, you know, Frimpong is such a prestigious name in Africa there's a lot of weight behind it. And um, evidently enough, my dad actually got deported back to back to Africa because, you know, coming as a 13 year old, you know, you're not really worried about what type of paperwork you have, or if you're a documented citizen, he was just going to school, just like everybody else. And eventually got to the point where the government was coming after him. And it was like, Hey, you got to fill out this paperwork. And just there was some discrepancies there and he actually got deported back to Africa wow so being that I haven't seen my dad in such a long time I think that Frimpong name holds some more weight wow that's that is that is interesting you mentioned your your dad is from Ghana your mom's from Korea and so your mom ended up raising you yeah so really you know like a lot of people probably listening to this I grew up in a single parent household right it was my mom my grandma it was really the rock in my life, right? Because my mom had me at 17. So, and then it was my sisters, right? So I had a lot of females in my family, a lot of women, <laughs> but ultimately I had two little sisters and, and a mom and a grandma being the only man in the household. I really felt obligated to be the man for everybody. And I really felt obligated to provide for everybody. Even at, you know, seven, eight years old, I had that feeling. Wow. And that probably propelled you a little bit in terms of how you've carried yourself throughout your life, which is which is in a, a story that I know your audience is going to want to hear about. You mentioned your grandmother and we've talked about your grandmother a lot. Tell me one interesting fact about your grandmother. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, your grandmother's <laughs> like an OG to me. Every time you tell me a story, I'm just like, oh my yeah. gosh, your grandmother. So tell me one interesting fact about her because she's a woman, very strong woman. Tell me one yeah. thing about her. I, I would say my grandma has probably had the biggest impact on my life. You know, I think about who she is as a person and all grandmas are sweet. You know, every, when you think about a grandma, you just think of someone who is just so sweet, sincere, and kind. <laughs> my grandma is that, but she's also very blunt, right? And she'll tell you how it is. But the one thing about my grandma is she's a lover of people. Mm. You know, she's a lover of humanity, you know, and, and she truly has a good heart. And I think that has rubbed off on me, right? And, you know, being a little kid, she used to tell me, hey, Ivory, you love your skin you know, embrace who you are. She used to tell me, you have such a kind heart. But me being six years old, how could she know that? You know, so it was things that she would just reaffirm to me in, in my in my mind that I think really played a huge factor on my life. That's, uh, you know, that that's a testament to, I'm sure a lot of people in this world that 
were, you know, influenced by their grandparents, influenced by their parents. Mm -hmm. um, so you grew up in where, Northern Virginia? Yeah, I grew up in Northern Virginia on a, I actually was born on a military base because my okay. mom's dad was in the military. So I was born in Northern Virginia. I really was there pretty much all my life until college. Season. And so you played football in high school. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that experience. I, in Northern Virginia, it's probably a little less diverse, I would assume. Is it, Sur is it a diverse? Surprisingly, being that it's right outside of Washington, D.C., it's, it's pretty diverse. Okay. You know, it's, it's definitely not like your inner city school, right? But you just have a lot of, you know, it's government jobs. So there's a lot of wealthy individuals and it's a, it's a good mix. But yeah, I went to Westfield High School. I, uh, you know, played football, dived into a little bit of other sports, but really football was what I wanted to go to college for. Okay. You know, one of the things that I knew in an early age is that if I didn't have a scholarship to, to go to school, I wasn't going to go to school. I was going to go to community college. My mom, you know, my mom didn't go to college. My grandma didn't go to college. Nobody that I knew in my immediate family went to college. And probably the biggest factor for that is a lack of funds and a lack of education, right? Yes. Of, and, and I think about my mom, she had me at the age of 17. I mean, think about it. If you had a kid at 17, it's going to be college probably won't be on the, on the front of your yes. mind, right? Right. And so that was another thing that my grandma would drill into my head. She said, better not have no kids. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have kids until you get married. Um, yeah. So I really wanted to go to, I really wanted to use football in high school to propel me to, to the next level. So you, you excelled in high school. I think the, I looked up Westfield, it's like a 6A um, high school, which is, you know, really up there in terms of um, abilities of schools, right? Yeah. Um, you, uh, I heard that you scored like the winning touchdown in the championship game. How did that feel? It felt amazing. So I'll, I'll give a quick story. So like my junior year, um, I had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. And I had worked pretty hard going into my junior year. And a lot of people don't know this. And I was just thinking about this last night. So, and I'll kind of go deep into this. My first game my junior year, I mean, I'm, I was the man coming in, right? Like everybody okay. knew I was going to pop off, right? Humbly, humbly, because I, I worked really hard. Mm -hmm. And the first game of the year, the first game of the year, Susan, is always before school starts, right? It's like the week before school starts and the next week school starts. So this game, I probably had three touchdowns, um, a bunch of catches. And I was just, it was literally like I was playing against kids. And I had this out of body moment after the game. And I realized like, wow, I'm really talented. And I can really take this, really take this pretty far, mm -hmm. right? And so after that game ended, that game was on a Thursday, that Friday night, we had a party. And this party was at uh, one of the cheerleaders house houses, right? Okay. And we're out there having a good time. You know, I'm, you know, around all these older upperclassmen and I'm trying to hang with them, right? So uh -huh. what do I do? I start drinking a lot, um, you know, to the point where I'm pretty, pretty intoxicated, right? Yes. And pretty much everybody else on the football team there and everybody else was pretty intoxicated as well. And <clears throat> there was a, a girl, and I'm not going to name say the name, but there was a girl, we'll just call her Jane, right? Okay. And Jane was at the, the party and her dad was a superintendent for the Fairfax County Public Schools that we stay at, right? 
Uh-oh. And <laughs> oh, she had no. she had snuck out of her house to come to this party. And she was taking pictures of you know all the football players and us together on her phone, right? And so when this girl Jane went back home after the party, her dad, the superintendent, was like, "Where have you been?" and let me see your phone. Right? And so when the superintendent looked at her phone, he saw all the pictures of us drinking the football players, right? Oh, yes. And so, like I said, the following Monday, we had school, right? Yes. So I actually overslept Monday. Didn't end up going to practice. I was a little late to practice. And I got, my phone is just blowing up. My quarterback actually called him. He's like, yo, did you hear what happened? He was like, yo, Jane's dad, the superintendent, sent the pictures to our coach. They're trying to suspend us. So to make a long story short, I got suspended for six games. My junior season, I got suspended. And oh my gosh. So when you talk about some of the toughest times of my, <laughs> my football career, I mean, your junior year and you have a son that plays at St. John's, right? Really from a recruiting standpoint, to, to put this in people's perspective, your junior year is where college coaches want to recruit you off of. Then your senior year is just like the icing on the cake, right? Like no coaches really want to just recruit you based off your senior season. They more prefer your junior and then your senior season to add on to that. So I missed half of my junior season. And one of the things that itched at me is that the second game was against South County. It was a night game. And it was supposed to be one of the biggest games that we've had, right? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't allowed to play. And so that ate up at me. And, and Susan, this was actually in the Washington Post, believe it or not. Six Westfield starters suspended. Washington Post. Wow. So this is, this is, your, this is a brush with adversity early in your football career. Right. Def, a thousand percent. A thousand how did percent. you how did you process that? What were you thinking at the time to yourself or what lesson did you come out of that with? Hmm. Well, hindsight 2020, there's a lot of lessons, but I think when I was in it, I was in a very, very dark, dark mindset. Right. I was I was super frustrated. Right. Because. You have something going so well. Right. And then one night you can just ruin it. Right. And I knew, like, I went to that feeling back at that game when I knew I was, mm -hmm. was going to be super talented. I was going to have a great year. But, and I knew I wanted to go play in college. And it was like, why is this happening to me? And so I was smoking a lot of, smoking a lot of weed. I was, you know, still partying. And I wasn't living right. I'll just say that. I was not living right. Okay. And so I actually came back during the season and we had, so it was six starters on an offensive team, right? Oh my goodness, yes. Imagine, imagine three stars on an NBA team are, are suspended for half the season, right? That means wow. the second string is playing, right? And the second string yes. did a very, very good job. I remember a guy named Sean Eckert who was a backup and he, he had a phenomenal year. But when we came back, right now it's time for us to come back and it's like that awkward feeling, right? Because now it's like, hey, let me get my spot back now, right? And there was a little bit of that and there was some rotation, but um, let's just say if I were to start that season off and play the whole season versus coming in on the seventh game and playing, it was a night and day difference, right? 
I can't just, you can't just ease into a season and just take off where you left off, right? It doesn't work like that. So for me, I still struggled a little bit and it, it hurt my confidence, right? Because, and this is something that's kind of deeper, but as a, you know, I'm half Korean, half black, mm-hmm. but I'm, but I'm, I look like I'm African-American. I look strictly African-American by my skin tone, right? Yes. And being in the Northern Virginia community, it's a diverse community, but it's a, it's a very, I'd say, wealthier community, right? Okay. And I think people had a lot of preconceived notions about me from that Washington Post article, right? And so I would think about this, what people would be thinking about me. And I just, it just didn't feel the same being on the football field, right? Like I felt like part of my name was tarnished a little bit and it played a huge effect on my mind. But to come back around full circle, Susan, we played a team in the state championship that year. My junior year, I went to the state championship. We played a team called Oscar Smith, right? Yes. And I barely played that game. I didn't have any, it wasn't a factor in that game at all. And so what, what did I do? I, I worked hard the next season and I came prepared and I came to play and come that state championship game against the same team my senior year, right? Even throughout my senior season, I didn't have a lot of catches, didn't have a lot of, I wasn't the phenomenal, you know, just not making plays. Like I was always talented, but come to my senior, uh, that state championship game, my senior year, I had one shot, one opportunity. And it was a fourth down in overtime. And me and my quarterback, Ramon Johnson, we were best friends at the time, right? We had that communication down. And my coach is like, he doesn't know what play to call. He doesn't know what play to call. And I literally had an out-of-body experience. And I said, went to the sideline. I said, coach, throw me the ball. I got it. I got it. And I looked at my quarterback. He gave me the signal, threw me a fade, touchdown. It made my whole high school career worth it. It made, it made up for everything, that one moment. And it opened the door for you to go to college, correct? And so tell me, yes. about, your, tell me about your commitment to uh, University of Rhode Island. Yeah, the University of Rhode Island. I think the biggest reason I wanted to commit to Rhode Island is because I wanted to get away from home, right? I wanted to, I wanted to see what else was out there and I wanted to play, I wanted to play early. I think that was one of the reasons I went to Rhode Island and it was by the beach. You can't, can't deny that beach. It was a beautiful, beautiful area. If, if no one has been to the Narragansett area or um, just Rhode Island, what a beautiful, mm. beautiful state Mm-mm-mm. and the water is unbelievable. You're Mm-mm. right. It's like a hidden gem, don't you think? It is. I think so. The people are really kind there as well. But talk to me about your experience. You, you just, you went through adversity early. Then you uh, get a commitment to go to Rhode Island. You walk on the field. What does it look like when you go in the fall or in the summer? You go in the summer, right? You do summer yeah, training. I went, I went early. I think I was there with Ed, actually. Yeah, I was, I was down there early. You know, I came, I had the mentality that I was going to start early. I had the mentality that I was going to go in and I was going to take off from where I was at high school. And to be honest, that is not what happened. Right. And I think we have this vision of how things are going to go and they never go as planned. Right. It's just plain and simple. And I think one of those reasons looking back at it is because I think God or higher power, whoever you believe in, they want you to become something while you chase what you're chasing. Right. And if you were to just get it off the back, you're not going to learn anything. And so for me, I was behind two NFL players right at a young age. These are very talented receivers. 
and coming to Rhode Island, I, I sat on the bench, you know, for probably two, three years, I sat on the bench, you know, coming off in fourth quarter time, but really it was, I got humbled and I realized I can't get all my confidence from playing football. Like I, I got to be more than just a football player. So I want to uh, bring up something because I know you and my son both played there and <clears throat> you did a podcast on him where, you know, there was a process and you went through that same process. But um, if we flash forward to uh, 2019, I just want to read this to you because I was looking at it. Okay. <laughs> um, it says receptions 36. It says receiving yards 496, um, averaging what, 13.8 per reception yep. yards per reception two touchdowns and the longest reception was 44 yards that was in well it was 2021 that was the COVID year how many games was that that's three games right there three games. 496 yards three games. Yeah. three games it's crazy I didn't even know that well I looked I looked <laughs> it up I had to do my homework because this is the other thing about you I want to read this because I think it's critical and then I'd love for you to speak on it hmm. you said patience was everything I'm a big believer in God. He helped me through that point in time. Just stay down until it was time to come up. When you're not playing a lot, you've got to make sure you're keeping these routines and habits. The real testament of a football player is how to act when you're not succeeding. Hmm. Coming to work every day when you're not the guy and not receiving applause when you're walking into the locker room. What type of person are you going to be then? Wow. So that's my question to you. What type of person were you then? Wow. 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 <laughs> that is, I mean, that's spot on right there. And that gives me chills because that was exactly my mindset. Right. And I think it's, you know, when you're not the man, when you're not the guy and you're not the star and, and how are you going to come to work every day? Right. It's basically when you have some opposition, what are you going to do? And I think I was really left with two choices. It was continue to grind and continue to keep going or, or really give up and fail, right? And I think when you give up, sometimes we think of giving up is like leaving the court or leaving the game. Giving up is just not trying as hard, right? That's giving up, you know? And so I was faced with two options and I said, listen, if I just stick to it, if I just stay consistent, how can I lose? Susan, how can I lose if I just keep going? You know, you only lose if you quit. I had a, a pastor in my life that have, that's reiterated that point to me, but that just really held true to me during that time because quite frankly, it was hard to go to practice every day. You know, those times where I was sitting on the bench, it was hard to, you know, be in front of my teammates, right? knowing that I wasn't going to be able to play with them on the field. And it was tough. It was, it was one of the most challenging things I ever faced because of how much the game meant to me. How did you and your teammates encourage each other? You were not the only one standing on the sidelines. How did you guys keep each other motivated or supported during, you know, the difficult time of standing there and watching and waiting for your turn? How did you guys motivate and, and encourage each other? Yeah. I mean, I think you definitely have to, you have to have, you have to put your ego and pride aside, right? And you got to think what's best for the team. You got to think if I was on the other position, right? 
and I was starting on the field, how would I want the backups to approach me, right? And so for me, it was always like, I'm going to do everything that I can. If I'm going to be on the sideline, I'm going to be the best sideline player I could be. You know, if I'm going to be a backup and I get, you know, one play every 30 plays, like I'm going to make that one play the best I can, I can make it because I only have that opportunity. So I just, I think it just comes down to never having a, never being who you are throughout the whole process. Right. And I'd like to say I'm a good person. I'm a good teammate. So why should that change just because I'm not playing? So think gold kind of evolved during the time you were at Rhode Island and during the time that you were kind of going through some difficult times. Why don't you talk about how you came up with Think Gold and, you know, a little bit of give, give the audience a little bit of an idea of what happened during this time and how you came up with this. Yeah. So, like I said, when I wasn't playing early on in my career, I've realized that I can't just get my confidence from football, you know, I think for such a long time playing football since I was six years old, football was really my everything. But I also knew that I was more than a football player, but I didn't know what that meant. And I think my first two years, I really started to dive deeper into my faith. And I'll tell this story, Susan. I was, I actually got invited to go to um, a ministry on campus. It's called Sankofa Ministry. And it was like a, it was kind of like an African Christian Bible study group. And I was in there and, you know, it was my first experience at a church, really. You know, so I was, <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. Oh, happy day. Oh, <laughs> you know happy what I'm saying? day. Yeah, so yes. I really, I really <laughs> had, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. And my brother, Sean Antoine at the time, he was a football player and a filmmaker. And he was someone who was killing it off the field, right? And I looked at it and I said, because he had the mentality, Susan, of like, oh, I mean, if the game goes wrong, or I make a bad play, like, I'm good. Like, I have film, I have this, I have this. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you don't get all your, you, you don't just focus on football. Like, that's not your life. Like, you got more outside than football. And I was like, wow. But I also saw how happy he was. So I was like, oh, let me get some of that. So when he invited me to go to church with him, I was like, yeah, let me let me see what this, you know, what some of your side hustles are like. And so I go in there and there's a lady up front speaking and she's um, and before that, I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the, of the of the of the of the church. And there's a guy next to me and he has some, you know, some ripped jeans on some Jordans on. And uh, I think I met him briefly and he dapped me up and he, he sat back down. And so we're, I'm sitting next to Sean, me and now this random stranger that I just met and the lady is up front speaking and she's like we're now introducing pastor tim quaino and the guy that i dabbed up with the jordans and the jeans he got up with his bible and walked to the front and he was a pastor and he started talking about confidence he started talking about overcoming fear and so it really resonated with me because i never saw someone point those topics back to god and i was like wow wow that is that's powerful. So that was kind of when I started thinking about stuff off the field. Well, when you started thinking of things off the field, um, how did you get to thinking about a podcast? What was mm. it about, 
you know, your experience in the church, your experience with life outside of uh, football, how did you get into doing a podcast? Because he was, the minister was one of the first people you had on. Wasn't yeah. He? Yeah. So I think it goes back to like growing up, right. As, as having a, you know, Korean grandma and, and, and you know, half Korean, half African, I think I had really had a very open mind, right? There was a lot of things that had caused me to have a very open mind and a really broad perspective on life. And I think naturally I've always just enjoyed talking to people. You know, like I could be at a grocery store, Susan, I can meet you at the first time. And I already know if we didn't know each other and we met each other at the grocery store and like we're in the fruit aisle or something, we probably talk for about 35 minutes and might end up getting <laughs> coffee after, right? Absolutely. And and I think. I think it goes back to wisdom, right? Like I love wise people. Like wisdom is food for my soul. Like I truly think it's powerful. Like, and that's something my grandma put in me as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think conversations are so important. So Ivory, you started Think Gold. You talked about your experience with uh, the pastor in church. And I think he was one of your first people on your podcast, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, so how do pick people for your podcast yeah good question so first off to get into like realizing podcasting was a thing I you know during those times on the bench I don't think I had a lot of I don't think I had a lot of mentors growing up you know I did but sometimes I felt like I couldn't lean on them so one thing I did was listen to a lot of podcasts a lot of YouTube videos right and this one podcast in particular is called short story long and this guy would interview entrepreneurs he would interview you know, successful businessman, he would interview successful people from all walks of life. And he would have a conversation with them about their journey and he would record it. And I thought this was the best thing since sliced bread. And I was hearing all these people talk and all these stories. And it was really, it was so amazing. So I was, you know, on the way to training and I just pop on the podcast and I would listen. But at the end of each episode, it would say, if you're listening to this, I urge you to start your own podcast because it's extremely uh, amazing to, 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 to hear somebody's story each and every week. It kind of holds you accountable to learning from somebody. And I was like, oh, first time I heard that, I was like, I ain't starting no damn podcast. But then you hear that enough, you hear that enough, you hear that enough. It's like, maybe, you know what, I can do it. And I'm starting to meet people who would be great guests. So I, I was like, let me do this thing. Right. And so, now I'm thinking about what do I name the podcast, mm -hmm. right? And at the time, my sophomore year going into my junior year, I got really deep into mindset and how important your mind is in relation to football. And I was reading a book called Championship Mindset. And this was all about how Olympic athletes train for the Olympics. And what was interesting about this book, it was all mindset. It was all their approach to it. And I was getting so many gems. I mean, so many gems. There was, you know, if I'm thinking about quotes from the book, one of the things it was like, let your gold shine through the mud, right? That was one of them, right? If you're a star, let that be known. Um, you know, it was talked about being present or how important being present is. You know, it just talks about, you know, how to approach washing the dishes in relationship to being a good football player, being a good athlete. But one of the, the things that it kept reiterating in the, in the book is that, that think gold. I kept saying think gold, right? Because when these Olympic athletes are training for the Olympics, comes once every four years, they have to think gold. 
There's, they're not going to train to get a silver medal or a bronze medal. They're going there for the gold medal. And so everything they did was to get that gold medal. They're thinking gold. They wake up in the morning, they think gold, right? And I just thought about that. Like as a football player, if I am thinking Super Bowl, right, every day, everything I'm going to do is going to be because I want to get to that Super Bowl. I'm not going to think, if I'm thinking Super Bowl versus thinking round one playoffs and then I lose, like there's going to be a difference, right? There's going to be little things that I do different. I might watch some more film. But I was like, think gold. That would be an excellent name for the podcast. And I was like, let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the name right there. I was like, that's the name. That is the name for the podcast. And I was like, wow, that's what I'm going to name it. And so that's how I came up with Think Gold, the podcast. And I got Pastor Tim to be the first guest on there. So Pastor Tim was your first guest. And then you've had other guests on there. Um, what's something you've learned from the guests that have been on your podcast? Hmm. You know, I think the biggest thing that I learned is that everybody, no matter what they look like, no matter their skin type, no matter where they're from, no matter how much money they have, I think everybody has gone through something. Right. And I think one thing that I, I started to empathize with is that nobody's pain is worse than somebody else's pain. Right. And I think it's all about perspective. And I think I've been able to empathize a lot more. And um, I think that was something that I've really taken away from doing the podcast. So who on your podcast surprised you the most? Like you, you, you come up with all these amazing questions to ask people and they yeah. give you responses. Who, what's something that, that surprised you about a person on podcast? Hmm. So I think there's one of the most powerful podcasts that I did. And I wouldn't say this surprised me the most, but it was really just like, made me realize it. It made me reflect on my own life a lot. Mm. And it was a girl named Megan Jane. And the podcast is titled Surviving Through Pain. And this is someone who came on the podcast and her mother had passed away. Shortly after her father had passed away. And she's talking about depression, right? And then my mentality going into that was like, you got to just push through. Like you got to find a way out. You know, you got to find the light. But how can you tell somebody that whose parents just passed away, right? That seems incredibly shallow of me to say, right? And I think depression and pain is not something that you can just push through. It's not something that you can just find the light. You don't just reach, you don't just say, I'm going to find the light tomorrow and I'm going to find, you know? And she taught me a lot about just, she said, for a moment, you, gotta, you have to just sit, on, sit in it. You have to sit in that darkness and realize where you're at. And I thought it was just really powerful. And this just really saddened me to hear. But just recently, her, her brother also passed away, right? And so I just think that she is someone, because she always had good energy. And she was always someone who just tried to keep going and continue to try to keep going. And that's someone that just really motivated me having her on the podcast. That's, that's wonderful. Now, what's one that you found was the most entertaining? Most entertaining, huh? Most entertaining pop. They're all really fun for me. I'd probably say one I did recently with, uh, with Yannick Cujo Virgil. 
So he was a NFL player who played at the University of Maryland. And uh, he got to the NFL. He suffered with an injury. And he started his own real estate company after he got injured. And this is a guy who was driving Uber right after playing in the NFL. So now he has his own real estate company. And one of the things that was awesome about his story is that he's all about, he's all about leaving a legacy. And one of the things that he noted was, I want to be the Rockefeller of my family. And he's using real estate to do that. So he wants to be someone who is really creating generational wealth. And I think it's very important from, and it's in relation to think gold, like, you know this, Susan, right? When you have grapples on your bank account, you can only do so much, right? We talk about this all the time. Yes. And so I think, I think real estate is a powerful tool. And I listened back to the podcast that we did, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned real estate. And I just glossed over it. You mentioned real estate as being one of the tools you use for creating wealth. Correct. And I didn't even dig deeper because I didn't have the mental capacity to dig deeper with you. But now I can have a full conversation about it because I, I I got to be in the real estate space for a little bit. So anytime we talk about real estate, that's super fun for me. So that's one <laughs> more entertaining that's, podcast. That's, that's actually wonderful. And uh, it leads me into uh, a question I want to ask you. You started the podcast and then something happened. Um, Black Lives Matter happened, right? How did you as a mixed race person feel during that time? Powerful question. And so this is interesting because I don't look, I don't look really that Asian, right? I mean, if a, if a, if a police officer were to pull me over, I mean, the last thing he's thinking is that this guy is anything outside of African-American, right? So I mean, I played a huge, I plays a huge factor with, with who I am, right? And, you know, when the whole George Floyd incident happened, it was, it was tough on me a little bit personally, because I didn't feel like I had anybody in my family, because I, you know, I live with my Korean side of my family, and I was basically growing up in a Korean household. I didn't have anybody in my family that could relate, right? So it was tough, you know, kind of feeling like you're an outsider a little bit right you know if it was me and my mom driving maybe they would treat me worse than they would you know my mom and because my mom is very you know she's she looks very korean so i think it just makes you think about where you stand in society i think it just really made me think about that so you've graduated uh from from college um you didn't you didn't go to the league, right? I mean, I think we talked about in some of our conversations, the fact that when you're a little boy, you have these dreams of going to the league and providing for your family. What happens or what do you want to tell these young athletes that um, have hopes to go to the league, but end up with a degree in hand? What, what is some advice you'd give to them about life after football? Yeah, there's so much advice I could give. I think the first thing I would say is, be more than just a football player, right? And I don't want to just say be more than just a football player, like be more, be more, be more. But no, you are more than a football player. God has put you on this earth to do more than just play football, you know? And I think that's very important to realize because we have gifts. You know, I don't think anybody's gift is just to play football, right? I mean, God gives us athletic ability, but I don't think he's give, he put us on this earth to play football, 
but he'll put you on this earth to play football to impact other people, right? And I was listening to a podcast with Tim Tebow. I mean, Tim Tebow was someone who standed by his faith through what he believed in all throughout his career. And he had, I mean, he was the laughing stock in the NFL for a little while, right? But do you know how many lives that guy has impacted? How many, how many, how many people he, lives he's changed? Like, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And I think it's realizing that, hey, okay, Ivory, you play football. You know, you want to go to the NFL. But when it's all said and done, what matters the most? And it's about the lives you touch, right? So I think you should, by all means, go for the NFL. Go for whatever you're chasing in the, at the highest form, go for it. But, and I think we talked about this earlier, Susan, it's not about the goal, but it's about who you become while chasing it, right? So for a lot of you guys who, who are coming up short on a goal, who may not have made it to the NFL or maybe haven't made it to the uh, you know college championship, think about all the obstacles that you've overcome and what you learn from it, right? And I think that is something that I would say to a lot of these guys. So what's next for you? What's next with Think Gold? What's next with Think Gold? What's next with Think Gold? So you know me, there's a lot of stuff running around my head, right? I'm constantly mm-hmm. thinking, but it ultimately goes back to touching lives, right? How, how big can Think Gold get? And we want to get to the point where you know, we're not just our podcast is getting to 50 people, but how do we get to millions of people? And I think what's most important is setting it up as pillars, right? So the first pillar of the Think Gold brand is the podcast. And it's based off the conversations I have with people, right? And I'd say up until now, most of the guests have been people in my life, right? People that are mentors to me, that I've, I've learned from, that are good friends. But there is abundance of people that we can learn from right and i want to go go get those people you know i want to go get those authors i want to get those spiritual leaders those those thought leaders right i want to get people in africa that are healing children like how do i get these stories across because i think stories are so important and so impactful right and i think you know growing up a single parent household i would have loved to hear those stories growing up as a kid right I think something happens to your mind when you hear those stories because it makes you feel like you can you can do it too. So I guess think goal, ultimate goal is to make people believe or, or make people realize, I should say, that there is gold within them and that they have potential. Now it's just how do we make that happen? And I think we got to, you know, we're coming from the perspective of really turning this into a business, right? Like I want this to really be a a platform. I don't just want this to be a social media entity, right? Where I'm a entrepreneur and I post a couple of posts, but lack of better words, how do I make this legit? You know, yeah. how do I go? Yes. How, how do I make this a legit business is really important to me. So, so you mentioned the gentleman that you interviewed that uh, had gone to the league and drove in an Uber and, and he said uh, that he wanted to um, leave something for his legacy. What is hmm. What is your legacy? What are you what are you wanting to? I know you're I know you're only 23 right now, but as you envision your legacy, what is the legacy? What do you want people to remember you by? Yeah. I was thinking about this. I think about this a lot. And I think this is an interesting podcast that I listened to, Susan. It was about we're in an interesting time right now, right? Because 
if we look 300 years or you know 200 years to the future we are going to be the starting point right i'm going to be the starting point of my family to come in and the main reason behind that is social media right because my parents lives weren't all over social media right but my life is all over social media like this is going to be the starting point people are going to be able to look back to what i created on social media and and then i thought about like my kids right like my future kids are going to be able to hear these podcasts and think their dad did something like their dad had a purpose and maybe i don't maybe i don't get to to the point where i build think gold into having a million subscribers and a million people listening maybe i get it to to $500,000 and then my kids can carry it to a million right and yes. i think I think that's generational wealth is that you build something not with the end in sight, but then the people who come after you and your family, they also help you build it. Right. So it's just something that is continually building over time through your family. And I think that's very important to me because that's how, you know, the most wealthiest people, the most quote unquote successful people in this, that's what they're doing. And a lot of these people, that's what they're doing with their money is they're passing it down and they're leaving something for their kids. And I think in the black community, I think from, you know, people in economic distress situations is we just don't think about that. We don't have the mental capacity to think of passing something down to our grandchild, right? Because we're struggling right now. I got to think about just eating tomorrow, right? Yes. So ultimately I want my legacy to be something that is uh, passable to my kids, if that makes sense. You know, I want to hand them the baton and I want them to carry on think old. I think that's something that's very important to me. Good to know. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, what's something interesting? I'm going to do like you do at the end of your podcast. What's something, <laughs> what's one thing that's interesting that people don't know about you that you can share with them today? Hmm. I'm a phenomenal cook. Phenomenal cook. And I'm really, really passionate about creating music. I like music. Interesting. And I think that's something that uh, I'd love to bring to Thing Gold, right? I'd love to have like artists that I'm working. I love to create like my own intro song and that's something I want to do, but I love music. Yeah. Good to know. Biggest victory. Ooh, biggest victory. Biggest victory, October 16th. 2021 I got baptized that was that was the biggest victory I got baptized and it changed my life it really changed my life and I think that's something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life and I think I'm forever attached to God you see God is dope in the in the background here but I mean God without God I'm nothing and I think what think gold is like I really want to have the mentality of I'm not the CEO, God's the CEO. And so if I listen to him and I follow his direction, I follow his lead, there's no way Think Gold will fail because it's not about me anymore. It's about God and what he's trying to do. So I really want to keep that in mind as much as I can. And I think that baptism was really my biggest victory for that. So just on those terms, um, we started talking about the saying that was on the back of that shirt. What was it again? Think gold fears no fire. So you and I talk a lot about faith and I'd love to leave your podcast with this. Um, I actually sent something to you from Job 23. It's Job 23. It's not Job. It's Job. 
Okay. Job. <laughs> it's Job. And it says, Job 23.10 says, but he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Wow. And when I saw that saying on the back of the shirt, wow. I remembered the scripture. And I just thought to myself that there's something that's predestined for you. And that is to succeed. And that your values and your desires are aligning with what God has for you. So I just want to leave you with, I wish you the best. Mm. I know that you're going to do a fantastic job and I can't wait to hear the rest of your podcast. So mm. thank you for allowing me to ask you questions today, Ivory. Susan, thank you so much. This was definitely a little different, <laughs> but, it, but it was awesome. I thank you so much for, for joining in and, and being the co-host on this one. And I wish you nothing but success in your own life. Thank you. And you as well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.